Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, September 9th, 2019, and today we are starting an overview series for the next several weeks. We have just continued, if you've been tracking with us on the Defender Bible Study, we've just continued a a study on the book of Acts. And previously, we had finished a study on the book of Luke. And so we want to take the next four weeks and just look at the themes, the major themes that you see in Luke's complete volume of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And so we are going to be joined by Dr. Rick, uh, our Vice President for Engagement today, to look at the theme that we see through the books of Luke and acts of the salvation to the Gentiles. Uh, it's my pleasure today to be with you to, um, to begin a four-week series in concluding our study on the, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. We've, of course, taken over the last year or a little more than a year um, a really in-depth look at both um, Luke and Acts, the two volumes that were written uh, by Luke. And, and so today, um, we want to talk about one of the, um, one of the subjects that is um, a thread that kind of flows throughout uh, both of the books, and, and that ultimately is um, the idea that um, Luke wrote the book of Acts um, to, to talk about um, salvation to the Gentiles. And, and so um, of, the, of the major themes that we see um, in the book of Luke, um, one that we see that comes out um, very clearly to us is uh, is this idea that um, that Luke was um, primarily writing a narrative in the book of Luke that that would um, that would support the idea that um, not only is Jesus the Messiah but he's the Messiah who's come um, to rescue all the peoples of the world and that salvation has been open to the Gentiles and then uh, of course the the book of Acts is the story of how God extended beyond um, his chosen people Israel to all the peoples of the earth um, the salvation that came through through Jesus and and so if we, if we jump in um, and look even in Luke chapter 1, we see the, the, right at the very beginning of, of Luke's writing of, uh, of his, his first book, his gospel, um, and, and giving the story of salvation um, and the story of the life of Jesus, he's writing to this, this man Theophilus. Um, and he says in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it said, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most ex- excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. Now, scholars sort of disagree about the who this person Theophilus is that that Luke is um, supposedly writing to. Um, some believe that there actually was a person Theophilus that Luke was was writing in order to 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 bolster his faith. Um, Others believe that Theophilus was more of um, just a general name that was used to represent 
um, kind of all Gentiles and to say that all peoples that were outside of the nation of Israel and were outside of the original um, choosing, uh, God's choosing of, of a people, that, that, that salvation had, had now been opened and had been broadcast um, and, and that the veil had been taken away for salvation to be brought to, to all people. And, and regardless, the, the message really is the same, whether it's uh, a, a particular man named Theophilus who, who was not born a Jew, who Luke was trying to write to to give him convincing, compelling evidence that Jesus, in fact, had um, died for his sins and had risen from the dead and had in, had had come back um, and and reigns and that he had had instituted a church in order to to carry on the work of of, of spreading the good news um, of his gospel. Whether that was being written to one person named Theophilus or whether that was being written to, to many multiple people all over the world, the effect is really the same. Um, that, that gospel that, that is, is for Theophilus is also um, for all of us. And, and so there are kind of four things that we see um, right away that, um, that as, as Luke tries to give full confidence um, by this story, um, that 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 he that he's trying to do that, that he's, he's trying to accomplish here. One is that he's writing a salvation history that's written to help Gentile believers understand how they fit into God's unfolding plan of redemption. Um, in, in other words, to to help Gentiles to know that they're not that they're not second class citizens, that they're not they're not stepchildren in the family of God, and and that's that's really important. But they're but they're co heirs with Christ, and that that the work that Jesus has done is not to bring Gentiles into the kingdom um, to, to, be, to be lesser than, but to be full participants um, in the kingdom. And that was incredibly confusing in, in the first century, and it's still, it's still really confusing today. We, we have a tendency to try to, try to rank people and to, to try to categorize people by where they were born or by the circumstances that they were born into or the kind of church maybe that, um, that, that they've become a part of or, or all of those sorts of things. And, and, and Luke is very clearly pointing out that the only thing that matters um, in salvation is that one follows Jesus. Um, and so Luke does this by, by presenting that Jesus is the fulfillment of messianic prophecy. And so we see um, both in Luke chapter 1 and, and then also in other places in the scriptures that, um, that, that Luke is really, is really speaking to the idea here that the, that the narrative that he's writing, that Jesus has checked all the boxes um, for for that one who is who is to come, um, a passage that that I would want us to to look at, and 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 one that was no doubt in the mind of Luke as he was writing chapter one is Second Samuel chapter seven, um, beginning in verse twelve, and and it says this: it says that that Samuel is is speaking to to King David, and it says, "When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers," um, this is God speaking through the prophet to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. 
and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your, your throne shall be established forever in accordance with these words and in accordance with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. I'm sorry, I, I, I said that this was Samuel that was speaking um, to David. Obviously, it says right here in the passage, it was Nathan, the prophet, that was, that was speaking to, um, to David. But nevertheless, the, 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 the point is made here that when we look at this verse and, and when we break down what it is that Nathan is, is, is saying on behalf of God um, to David, we see all of these things echoed um, in the account of, of the, the, the history of Jesus that Luke gives us. And so Dr. Luke, who writes this careful history, um, really conserves that all of these things happen. And so he, he assured David, um, Nathan did, that, that when your days are fulfilled and when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. And one of the things that we see is that Luke does a, does a great job in, in chapter 1 of establishing um, that Jesus is a part of this this lineage, lineage of the tribe of David, and that he he is one that is that is coming after David, but he's going to establish the kingdom in its fullness, not just an earthly kingdom, not just a a, a kingdom of men, not just a kingdom of a nation, not just a, a kingdom to to rule the world or rule a part of the world, but ultimately um, to rule everything that that God has created and everything that God stands over. And it says that, that Jesus, in verse 13, that he shall build a house for my name, that Jesus is going to build a house that, that, that will be for my name. And, and, and we know that one of, the, you know, one of the things that David desired to do was to, was to build a house for God where God could dwell. And, and this, is, this is God saying that, that while you won't be able to build a house that will, that will be a dwelling place for me, that my offspring will, and, and that I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so God is promising that he's going to provide, that, that, that Jesus is going to build a house, that he's going to build a kingdom, and that God is going to establish the throne of that kingdom forever. And so through the work of Jesus, through the, through the life of Jesus and the sinless perfection of Jesus and, 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 and through the work that Jesus did in, in conquering sin and death and hell and the grave um, and, and, that, and, and showing his dominion over creation, that that Jesus um, ultimately has established this kingdom, which, which is which is accessible to to all men and women. It says, God says to him, "I will be a father, and to me he shall be a son." When he commits iniquity, he, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. And 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 what it what it's referring to here is not that that Jesus didn't live a sinless life because he did. He didn't commit iniquity himself, but he took on the iniquity of the world. He took on our sin and, and he took on the burden and the penalty for our sin and he took that upon himself and, 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 he, and he paid the ultimate debt for it in his death on the cross. And so this is Jesus, this is God prophesying about Jesus through the prophet Nathan 
saying to David that that, that I'm going to t- I'm going to pour my wrath out, but I'm not going to pour my wrath out on you or on Israel or on any of the other nations of the world. I'm going to pour my wrath out on my own son. And it says, but his but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul. In other words, that I'm not going to leave this king, that this king is not going to leave me and I'm not going to leave him. Um, and, and because of that, he says in verse 16 of, of, of 2 Samuel chapter 7, and your house and your your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. In other words, the king, the kingdom that I have begun to establish through the choosing of Israel and 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 through the the calling of David to be king, that the lineage that's going to be worked out here is is ultimately going to provide for the whole world. That your throne will be established forever. Um, and so what we see in the first few chapters of the book of Luke is, is Luke essentially walking out, um, helping us to see and helping us to understand um, that that's in, that's in fact who Jesus is and, and in fact what, what he has done. Um, if we go down a little bit further into chapter 1, we read verses, verses 3 and 4, but, um, but if we go down into... Um, the, the song that Mary sings, the, the Magnificat, um, beginning verse 46 of, of chapter 1, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit, spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on, on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy... His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their fortresses and exalted those of humble estate. In other words, God has sent, God is sending Jesus in order to, to take those who are poor in spirit and, and to redeem them. Those who have been scattered, he's going to bring together and, and make a people. It says he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring. In other words, God has fulfilled his promise by bringing the Messiah that's the hope for the entire world, and he's brought it through the the nation of Israel. Now we, we see then in, in Luke chapter two that that the that the Messiah arrives and, and we see this this announcement of um, Christ's arrival in or, or the arrival of Christ in Luke chapter two and Luke chapter three and then then the announcement of of Jesus and the announcement of, of who Jesus is um, and in in Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter four. And so we'll turn over to Luke chapter four for just a for just a quick moment and take a look at what uh, what Luke has um, what Luke tells us and and it says that. That, that Jesus begins his earthly ministry ultimately in Nazareth, and that when that when he um, that that when he enters the synagogue on the Sabbath day in Nazareth, that he. He unrolls the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read. And what he reads out of the scroll of Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says, And then he rolled up the scroll in verse 20 and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him and he began began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled 
in your hearing. In other words, Jesus got up and read from, from Isaiah chapter 61, where, where we see this beautiful picture of the Messiah and, and, and his character and who he's going to be. And Jesus gets up and reads a portion of Isaiah chapter 61, and he says, this is me. And he says that because I'm the one that's been anointed by God, that the Spirit of God is on me and that I'm here to pro proclaim good news to the poor, to the, to, the, to the earthly poor, the physically poor, yes, but more than that, to the poor in spirit. Um, that he's, that he's sent, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Captive to what? Captive to sin. Captive to the brokenness of this world. That he recovering sight to the blind, blind the, the, the blind, only those who, who can't see with physical eyes know the blind, who, who are blind spiritually, and ultimately to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That Jesus has come um, to, as the Messiah to rescue us from our sins. And, and then Luke continues and, and, and he says that this announcement, this, this beginning of, of, of Jesus' earthly ministry and, and, and even the announcement that came um, through, through John the Baptist about who he was going to be um, that, that Luke gives us an account of that, we, that, that, that when we see this, that, that this, is, this is meant to give us a sense of, of, of complete confidence that, that many thousands of years before Jesus lived that, that God in great detail had told us about who he was going to be and about what he was going to do and that Jesus fulfilled all those promises. Now, something else that, that he, he does, Luke does in the, in the book of Luke, is he also um, really puts out a case for the fact that, that the spiritual descendants, that, 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 that really ultimately those who, who would be able to lay claim to the promise um, were not necessarily the Israelites because of their birthright, um, because of their ethnicity. As a matter of fact, he shows us that the disobedient Israelites relinquished their their divine promises, the divine promises to 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 the inheritance that God has has set aside for them. That when they don't believe in Jesus and when they don't follow Jesus, that ultimately they can't they can't lay claim to that prize, and so. We see in, in a perfect example that's in Luke chapter thirteen. If you go down to the end of um, the, the end of, of chapter thirteen, beginning of verse thirty one, Jesus has has proclaimed the gospel and um, and he he's he's talked about this idea of the narrow door and and that you know that there that there's a very narrow way. To, to, to get into the, 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 the kingdom of God. And, and, he, and he says to the religious leaders in, in the moment that, that there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth because, because there's going to be a day when, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. He says, people will come from east and west in verse 29 and north and south and will take their places at the, feet, at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who, who, at last, who are last who will be first and first who will be last. In other words, Jesus says to the religious leaders of the day, it's not merely because you've been born into the nation of Israel. It's not merely because you're a religious leader that God is, God is ultimately going to invite you into the fullness of his kingdom, that, that there are going to be people from, from, from the north and south and east and west that God is going to invite into his kingdom, and he's going to invite them in based on the work that, that Jesus did, not based on not based on where a person is from. And so um, th this, this idea that, that the Pharisees ultimately 
they, they didn't understand. And so they came to Jesus and they were trying to basically trying to silence him and get rid of him. So in verse 31 of, of Luke chapter 13, it says that at, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. In other words, they were, they were trying to just get him to go away and be quiet and, and to, to leave Jerusalem because, um, but, but, and, and they said, you know, Herod's going to kill you, so you, you need to leave. And maybe he would leave, and then his message would leave with him, and, and they wouldn't be bothered by him anymore. Um, and, but yet Jesus in verse 34 shows um, th- th- this idea that, that, that it's not, that there's no birthright um, that, that buys you a ticket into heaven, that buys you a ticket into, um, into eternity with God and into inclusion is into his kingdom. He says, Jesus, looking over the city of Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you, desolate, I tell you, and you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus is talking about that there's going to be this, this, this time later where this triumphal entry is going to happen and he's going to enter into Jerusalem and that there's going to, that, that, that there's, that he is going to, he is going to walk through the steps to establish his kingdom and to fulfill prophecy, but he's lamenting over Jerusalem here and, and the fact that they think that there is, that there's a birthright that makes them ultimately right with God. And, and, and what we know is that know the truth that Luke stakes out for us in this book about salvation coming to the Gentiles is that ultimately the people of God are the people, um, both Jews and Gentiles, who, who turn to Jesus. And, and so we can, you know, we can look directly at the work that Jesus has done. And, and there's no, um, and, and we even see today that this is, you know, this is a problem in many circles. People believe that because they belong to a certain church or because their family has, has done a certain thing or because they were baptized a certain way or, or something else, that, that that's what's going to be the thing that's, that, that's going to please God. And ultimately that's going to be the thing that's going to ensure them a place in the kingdom of God. And what, what God tells us, um, very clearly through through Luke and through his writings is that no, the only way that you're going to find peace with God and the only way that you're going to be included into the family of God um, is ultimately um, by by the work of Jesus. And so um, we can look over into Acts chapter 13 and see a really great example of of that thread of of how um, how Luke puts this on display. And so in, in, in chapter 13 of, of Acts, we see Paul and Barnabas in Antioch. And when they arrive in Antioch, they, they, they begin to teach and, and they go to um, first to the, to the men of Israel. They go to the, they go to the, the believer or to, the, to the, uh, the children of Israel and they go to the synagogue and they begin to try to reason with them first. And it says in verse 26, they say, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled, fulfilled them by condemning him. 
In other words, they, that they, they, they read the stories and they knew the stories and yet they fulfilled the stories by not believing the stories about Jesus and ultimately not by not putting their faith and trust in him. And though they found him found in him no guilt worthy of death, verse, verse 28 of chapter 13, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And many days, uh, and for many days, he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news. That, that what God has promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. But then what we see is, is that, the, that the, 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 the Jews in Antioch, they rejected the message. And it said, um, it, it said that they that they that they didn't believe. Verse forty one, he he quotes to them um, out of uh, he he quotes to them out of the Psalms. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophet should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. And it says, then the people went out, verse 42, and begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So verse 44, it says, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city, the whole city of Antioch, gathered together to hear the word of the Lord. But, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, first to the Jews. Since you, since you trusted a Thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so, in other words, what we, what we see here is, is that this is, this is Luke giving us kind of the, 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 the final stages of the chronology that, that, in, um, that ultimately the, the gospel was proclaimed first to the Jews, but the Jews rejected it. And so, so God then opened the proclamation of the gospel to, to, the, to, the, rest of, to the rest of the world, um, to all of us. And that, and that ultimately the people of God are not not people ethnically that are that are Jews or or, or people that are ethnically any in, any group, but they're ultimately the the people who have 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 yielded their lives to Christ and have trusted in the sacrifice that Christ has made, and and that and that we believe that that's our, our only hope to be able to be reconciled to God. And so then there there's several other kind of important moments that we see throughout this narrative. First in um, in Pentecost uh, in, in Acts chapter two, we see this this sending of the of the Holy Spirit to do this incredible work among the apostles, where they begin to to proclaim the gospel and and begin to preach in 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 tongues that they don't know, but in the tongues of the people around them. And it's a it's a it, 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 that that ultimately is a sign that God is unleashing the gospel for everyone. Uh, we see in in Acts chapter. 
chapter 10 where the 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 conversion of Cornelius and and this act of 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 bringing the gospel and and what the Lord does through um, through Peter and through the vision that was given to Peter and then through Peter being the one who was kind of the 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 the, the Jewish leader of the disciples to be the one who ultimately opens the door and and shares the gospel with Cornelius and his family and that they that they come to follow and that 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 Paul that, that Peter comes to understand that that the work that Paul's doing that ultimately that there that there is nothing unclean about it um, and then ultimately we see from from Acts chapter 13 through the end of the book that Paul's mission is is ultimately a a, a signature to us that that as he carries the gospel forth um, and then as he sets the stage to the, for the gospel to be to be spread throughout the the known world that that what what God began um, in Luke he continued throughout Acts and he continues today which is which is to to extend the light of the gospel um, to the ends of the earth and so today I hope you're I hope you've been encouraged by the fact that that we can take heart in in the fact that God has 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 prepared a gospel that he's prepared a plan that before the foundation of the world and then that he used the nation of Israel that he called to himself in order to to be the vehicle to bring that plan to fruition and through Israel he brought Jesus who who died for our sins and who was raised um, on, on the third day and who lives and who sits on his throne and who one day will return and will establish his kingdom and that we um, we who are uh, who are in Christ ultimately have the heritage of being the people of God. And so today we can rest knowing um, that our eternity is sure uh, because, because our Savior is certain. And so today um, we hope in Jesus and we, we're thankful that, that, that Luke has given us um, these, these breadcrumbs of meaning through these two books for us to trace, to have confidence in that very thing. And so I hope you have a great day today. Uh, enjoyed being with you. And, and we, will, um, we will look forward next week to continuing a look at the book of Luke and Acts and how those things fit together and how that gives us confidence about who we are in Christ. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Uganda, and we are praying specifically for our partners there in Uganda, uh, for Pastor Raphael and for Africa Renewal Ministries and all of the great ways that they are reaching out to the orphan and vulnerable child in Uganda. We're also praying for the government of Uganda, for God to reveal himself to the judges, the probation office panel, and those who make decisions re regarding orf orphan care. We're praying for the church in Uganda, for God to strengthen Ugandan families and to grow more desire to care for orphans and to pray for sound doctrine and for the church to thrive. Praying for pastors in Uganda, praying for pastors that are in and around the Busega, Uganda area specifically as our brother, Pastor Raphael, is able to minister them, encourage them on a weekly basis. We are praying specifically for King Jesus Church and for Pastor Raphael as he leads their church and he leads the community and he leads in the city. We're praying for Pastor and his wife, Alan, for protection, for rest, for good family time as they minister to the, the community, as well as their four precious daughters, Charity and, and Tabitha and Delight and Selah, uh, just that the Lord would, would give them rest in their home. We're praying for Loving Hearts Babies Home uh, in Gaba, that they would continue to grow to get the funding that they need and they'd be provided for. We're praying for God's providence and protection in the homes that we work with and for birth families that poverty or special needs would not be a reason to abandon their children. 
or praying for families. You know, Uganda requires now a 12-month period of fostering and residency before a family can apply to adopt. And we're praying that families would be open to God's will and how God could grow them through this process, use them, and that families would come forward that could potentially live in Uganda for a year to a year and a half. We're praying for Orphan Care Pastors Conference that will take place in September. For the children at Busega Community School of the Deaf and the Blind and the Life Skills Schools, we pray that the students, the staff, and the teachers would continue to grow in the Lord. We're praying for the financial provision for our sustainability projects, for the big, big brick project, for the land, and for the internet cafe. We're praising God for bringing more and more students to Busega Community for the Deaf and the Blind and the Life Skills Schools. And we pray that uh, the Lord would continue to bring excellent teachers. And we're grateful for the believers who have a passion for orphan care and who are trained in caring for the deaf and the blind that the Lord has already given us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for my brother from another mother, Pastor Raphael, and for his sweet wife, Alan, and for their daughters, Charity, Tabitha, Delight, and Selah. We just ask that you would go before this sweet family as they lead in the community of Busega, that you give them arms to reach out to those that are deaf, the blind, the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow. And Lord, we just also pray that you would use them to make the gospel known in this Muslim-dominated context. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to equip the pastors in and around uh, Busega, that you would give them grace, that you would give them passion, that you would give them clarity, and that you would use them to bring the gospel to bear. We pray for Loving Hearts Babies Home and for their uh, their protection, their provision. We just ask that you would be with those children and Lord, for all the homes that we partner with. And Lord, ultimately, we also ask that you would bring to bear many families that would be willing to go to Uganda for a, a long period of time to be able to bring family to these children. And Lord, we just thank you so much for the church in Uganda. We pray that you continue to strengthen her, to grow her and give her desire to care for orphans. We pray that sound doctrine would be in these churches and that these churches would thrive. And Lord, we also pray for the government. Lord, we ask that you would reveal yourself to the judges, the probation office panel, and those who make decisions regarding orphan care, including the Ministry of Gender, and that you would open their hearts and their minds to ways that they can best care for the children of Uganda. Lord, we know you love these children. We know that you love this country. We pray you go before us as we serve, as we, as we minister, and as we reach out. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.